This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We're about to hear a program that frightened audiences as far back as the 1930s. People just loved being scared by the character known simply as the Shadow. Turns out that this character is one of the most famous adventure heroes of the 20th century in North America. He's been featured on the radio, in long-running pulp magazine series, and American comic books, comic strips, television, serials, video games, and at least five feature films. In print, the Shadow's real name was Kent Allard, and he was a famed aviator who fought for the French during the war. Now, after the war, Allard finds a new challenge in waging war on criminals. Allard falsifies his death in the South American jungles, then returns to the United States, arriving in New York City. He adopts numerous identities to conceal his existence. And one of the identities is indeed the best known, that of Lamont Cranston, a wealthy young man about town. Now, in the radio drama, the Allard secret identity was dropped for simplicity's sake. And on the radio, the shadow was only known as Lamont Cranston. He had no other aliases or disguises. The shadow debuted on July 31st of 1930 as the mysterious narrator of the radio program Detective Story Hour, which really was developed to boost sales of Street and Smith's monthly pulp detective story magazine. And when listeners of the program began asking at newsstands for copies of That Shadow Detective magazine, Street and Smith smartly decided to create a magazine based on the shadow and hired Walter B. Gibson to create a character concept to fit the name and the voice and write a story featuring him. The introduction from the uh, shadow... Uh, for the shadow, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men, spoken by actor Frank Reddick, has earned a place in the American idiom. These words were accompanied by an ominous laugh, and at the end of each episode, the shadow would remind listeners that crime does not pay, the shadow knows, and then a wild laugh. In the radio drama, which debuted, as they say, in 1937, the Shadow was an invisible avenger who had learned while traveling through the Orient the mysterious power to cloud men's minds so they couldn't see him. This feature of the character was born really out of necessity. Time constraints of the 30s radio made it difficult to explain to listeners where the Shadow was, where he was hiding, and how he was remaining concealed. Thus, the character was given the power to escape human sight. Voice effects were added to suggest the shadow's seeming omnipresence. And to explain this power, the shadow was described as a master of hypnotism, as explicitly stated in several radio episodes. In fact, tonight we hear the episode, The Shadow Hypnotizes an Audience. (laughs) 
<laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the shadow knows. Lamont Cranston, a man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Using advanced methods that may ultimately become available to all law enforcement agencies, Cranston is known to the underworld as the Shadow. Never seen, only heard, as haunting to superstitious minds as a goat, as inevitable as a guilty conscience. The Shadow's true identity is known only to his constant friend and aide, Margot Lane. Today's story, The Hypnotized Audience. Master Zerger Khan has already answered too many questions. Oh, you needn't get tough about it, Sultan. We are... You must excuse my servant, Ahmed, gentlemen. Your reception, it is of a well Oh, well, that's all right, Zerger Khan. He sure. fears I may be too tired to dance tonight. Are you really going right to the boat to the theater? Yes, that is the plan. Now, I must take to be excused. I must get a shot. Okay, okay. Come along, gang. Thanks, Zerger Khan. Oh, that's all right. Why? Master, they took so many pictures. All the better. To them, Zerger Khan is merely a famous oriental dancer and mystic. It would be amusing to see what they would print if they knew our real purpose in giving this recital. Yes, Master. Come, come quickly. Ready there. Easy down, gang, sir. Master. Yes, Ahmed. Look, the Princess Zaga. She came to the pier herself. Zaga? Where is she? Over that way. She's standing alone behind the barricade. Yes, yes, she sees us. The little fool. Ahmed, send in enough while I talk to the princess. Yes, Master. Mother. Oh, Durga Khan, what a sad day is this for thy father's house. Quiet. Come away from the crowd. You should not have come. Do you think my nerves are made of steel? My husband Your is... husband is Durga Khan's brother, my brother. If I say wait, you wait. But in nine hours, they will kill him. Durga Khan and their electric There shall be no execution. In 24 hours, my brother shall be free. We have not got 24 hours. The execution is... Except for three tomorrow morning. There is still time. We will delay the execution. That done, tomorrow there will be a jailbreak. My brother will escape. What? Listen to me, Zadar, listen. Yes, my lord. This, this governor's band, he will be at the dance recital. He will be there. Then tonight the honorable governor will grant a stay of execution to your husband, Princess Zadar. A stay? A stay of 24 hours, which will be long enough. Now that I am here, the prison break will be no problem. But if the governor will not grant a stay, if my husband really dies... A king will not die when Zadar can't ask the favor. He asks in a special way. That the governors, not even kings, refuse. This is not India, Durga Khan. They will guard this governor bond. Against my powers, that there is no guard. Go to the house in the country. Wait up for me. If you fail. Fail. When Durga Khan dances, there is no thought of failure. And tonight, Zayda, he dances for his brother's life. Cigarette, Margot? Thank you, Lamont. You must admit the man is an art. Yes, of course. Durga Khan is certainly the greatest oriental dancer of the day. 
Christ. These dancers, they have the strange, mystic fascination of Eve. I just love Oriental. Everything Oriental is perfect. You know, that woman's forgotten all about another Oriental. Preparing to die only a few miles away. You mean Joseph Hakim, the murderer? Exactly. No one applauded his display of Oriental culture, and he's from the same section as Jerja Khan and of the same caste. But Lamont, Hakim's a brutal murderer. Certainly. He's to die tonight in the electric chair, nevertheless. He's a product of the same civilization as the artistic Durga Khan. Oh, look, there's Police Commissioner Weston. Yes, I saw him in his box. Coming over here. Hello, Commissioner Weston. Oh, Marjorie Lane. Hello, Cranston. How do you like the show? I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the governor. Governor Barnes? The governor isn't here. Not yet. What with the execution and everything, he couldn't get away early. He's coming for the last half of the recital. You mean Governor Barnes is actually leaving the state house tonight? Yes. Barnes is hipped on seeing this dancing fellow. I suppose he's wanted by the prison. Now, that's taken care of. I have one of my men keeping a special wire open here to the theater. Wasn't the present case, was it, Commissioner? No, no, sir. Plain, cold-blooded butchery. Here comes Governor Barnes. Oh, Commissioner Weston, did I miss much? Not too much, Governor. Still in mission. Margot Lane and young Cranston. Well, <laughs> uh, tell me, is this uh, Durga Khan as great as they say? Every bit. Right. Well, I must get to my box. Hey, coming, Commissioner? Uh, yes, Governor. It's this way over. You'd better get back, Lamont. There goes the buzzer. All right, Margot. What's the back of our But uh, after that first half of the program, Durga Khan's got to be wonderful. What can he do to top it? to look through the bright flames from that lamp on the altar. Well, Lamont, it's a lovely blue. I've never seen that color before. I've only seen it once, Margot. Something rather curious happened that time. He's getting ready to dance again. Yes. Where's Governor Barnes, Lamont? I've been trying to spot him. Commissioner Weston's box, see? Oh. Sitting in the rear. Lamont, Edgar Khan's going to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, now I will recite for you a mystic prayer. This is more than believers of India. There is no translation for this prayer. You must let my dance in deputy for you. Well, this is something new. Governor Barnes. Governor? Yes, they're dragging him from the box. Stop, Weston! Everyone, listen to me! The governor has been kidnapped! 
Oh, what a thunderstorm. Oh, Commissioner, step on it, Marco. We can't lose sight of Gurga Khan's car. Don't worry, Lamont, I won't. Cranston, I've got to get back down. Jason to the country is ridiculous. You can't walk the highway. Why should Durga Khan kidnap Governor Barnes? Look, Lamont, there's a house on that hilltop. That's where Durga Khan is headed for. An ideal place to hide the governor, Commissioner. Well, we can't raid every lonely house in the country. Hurry, Margot, we've got to get into that house. Yes, Lamont. Margot, look out, stop! Wait. Oh. Wait, Scott, we nearly hit that telephone pole. The storm has blown it over, halfway into the road. Yes, you could touch the wires if you wanted to. Cut your motor, Margot. We'll walk the rest of the way. Uh, shall I come along? No, you stay here. Oh, hurry up, Cranston. Let's get this full thing over. Get the shortwave radio equipment ready and stand by for a call. Yes, do be careful, Lamont. Jerga Khan's a powerful and dangerous man. Yes, my dear, but so is a certain friend of ours. The Shadow. Ladies and gentlemen, how will this exciting adventure of The Shadow turn out? One moment and we shall see. Meanwhile, motorists, think of the chances you take on wet, slippery roads with smooth, worn tires. If your car suddenly swerved out of control, could you stop? Who knows what hazards await you? The shadow knows. Beware. Thousands of people were killed or injured by skidding cars last year. Yes, and Goodrich, too, knows the dangers of skidding. That's why Goodrich spent years developing a new kind of tire to give the greatest protection ever offered against skid. It's the new Goodrich Safety Silvertown with the Life Saver Tread. Every inch of this new Life Saver Tread is especially designed to dry the road under your car. In fact, motorists, the spiral bars of this tread act like a battery of windshield wipers. They sweep the water right and left, force it out through the deep groove. Make a dry track for the rubber to grip. Don't buy any tire until you've at least seen this new Goodrich Silvertown with the lifesaver tread. Ride on it. Feel it grip. Feel it stop you quicker, safer than you've ever stopped before. Then you'll understand why a Silvertown stop may save your life. Commissioner Weston. No. Wait, Lamont. Someone's coming now. Yes. We want to see Dr. Khan. The master is resting. I'm sorry. I'm Commissioner Weston, police department. You cannot enter. Go away. Now, look here. The master must not be... Hold on there. Ahmed, what is this? Two gentlemen, master. Police. uh, Commissioner Weston, Dr. Khan. I look an answer, Ahmed. Yes, master. Step in, please. Thank you. Good evening, gentlemen. Sorry to disturb you, Dr. Khan. It is late, Commissioner. I believe the hour for a special call. We'd just like to ask you some questions, sir, about the governor's disappearance. So? You are Major Ahmed. Yes, Master. Gentlemen, I know nothing. You don't mind if we look around a bit? It's a formality. Okay, Ahmed. Well, uh, yes. You yes. mean you desire to search my house? Merely a matter of routine, sir. Routine or no routine, it is an insult. No, you don't understand, sir. We yes. home of Jagger Khan to be searched like the Jenny, the common criminal. But if you... I will not allow it. Jagger Khan's blood is royal. In every country in the world, his privacy is respected. I will complain to your government. You are forcing us to go and get a search warrant, Jagger Khan. Search warrant. 
Branson, do you think all this is necessary? Jurgis Khan really has nothing to hide. No, no, of course I have not. Perhaps I have been too hasty. It is, I suppose, part of your customary routine. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nothing personal, you understand? In that case, come. I will conduct you myself. Now, this room here. Wait till I switch on the light. Step in, gentlemen. Hey, this is some layout. Mm. Copy of the inside of a temple, isn't it? Yes. You see, I have fitted it even with an altar. What's that curtain behind the altar, sir? That covers the sacred flame, Mr. Cranston. Wait! I will unveil it. You know, Cranston, this place is enough to give you the creep. Yes, it is. Marvelously beautiful, and yet... Look, gentlemen! The sacred flame! Why, that's the same sort of a fire that he had on the stage, isn't it? Yes. That looks uh, very familiar, Dirger Khan. Familiar? In what way? Uh, Mr. Cranston here had a rather strange idea about the governor's kidnapping. He links it up with hypnotism. Hypnotism? What hypnotism? Oh, it's just an idea of Cranston. Uh, one minute, Commissioner. Dirger Khan, an oriental prayer of yours, it seemed to have, well, a hypnotic influence on me. In fact, on the whole audience. You must be mistaken, Mr. Cranston. Dirger Khan is a dancer, not a hypnotist. That's what I said. But that prayer... There is harmless, my friend. Look. Dirger Khan will recite it for you quickly. It is a gentle petition to one of my country's gods. Listen, gentlemen. Men so ampadmani hom lalani mu anteyai ampadmani mani hom Cranston. No dirty little Yes. That's enough, Khan. Stop, I said, stop. Oh,
Then tell her to stay off the wire. Stay off the wire? Yes. If I'm right, the governor will make a call from here very soon. You must intercept that call. You must pose as the operator of the state prison and the warden's secretary. Her name is Miss Pierce. Take the governor's message. It'll be about a stay of execution for the murderer, Joseph Hakim. Say you will give the warden that message, understand? Yes, sir, I'll protect the governor. Jerga Khan does not know about the shadow. That is all. Sandy will and they act a little more, men. Let Governor Barnes know what is really in store for him. Yes, yes my Jerga Khan, we have not much time. Time enough, Princess Daughter. My brother is not to die for a full hour. In half that time, the governor will be begging to do our bidding. You're wrong. I'll never break. You must. Quiet, Zada. Dagger Khan commands here. Listen to me, Governor Barnes. Either you form the prison and stop the execution, or this torture will grow worse and worse. I will not do it. Hakim is going to pay for that murder. Yes? Another turn of the wheels in. Yes, Master. What about those two men downstairs? I have hypnotized them, put them to sleep. I sent Ahmed to bind them. Men, twist the wheel. Master, Master. What is it, Ahmed? Master, one of the men you put under your power has disappeared. Disappeared? The commissioner whisked him. He is asleep. The other one is gone. Impossible. He's not in the temple, Master. I searched everywhere. You must have revived and fled. Oh, Durga Khan, what shall we do? Have no fear, Zada. He cannot have gone far, but we must catch him. We must search the house. Yes, Master. Now, you other two, you hunt through the grounds. Yes, Master. Come, Zada, come. We must find him. We must. Yes, Master. Lock the door on it. Governor Barnes. Who is that? Who spoke? A friend, Governor. I am here in the shadows. You cannot see me, but I am here to help you. Who are you? Some call me the Shadow. Shadow? I have heard of him. Governor Barnes, Dr. Khan does not know I am in this room. Then get me out of here. Not so easy. Listen, Governor Barnes. Listen closely. I sent for help, but you must make that phone call to the prison for Durga Khan. You must. Let me explain. You will not suffer any more. But act as though you were in agony. I'll do it! Stop hurting me! I'll do it! Good, Governor Barnes. Hurry, Durga Khan. Dial the prison phone number. Yes, Arthur. Do not worry, there is still time. Loosen the wheel a little, Ahmed. Yes, Master. Please, please. No more talk. No more talk, your Governor. But you are a very stubborn man. Durga, the phone. You promised to loosen my bonds. After the call, Governor. Hello. Hello. Oh, no they will, Zada. Remember, Governor, it is your life for my brothers. There will be no trick. I said I'd make the call. It talks. State prison. All right, Governor. Ahmed, your knife is at the Governor's throat. Oh, yes, Master. The Governor speak. Hello, State prison. Hello. This is Governor Barnes. The, uh, the warden's office, please. Yes, Governor. Just a minute. Remember, Governor, one false move and death. Warden's office. The woman. Up to it, you. Hello. This is Governor Barnes. Who's talking? Miss Pierce, Governor, the Warden Secretary. Miss Pierce, rather. Just your name. Yes. Go ahead, Governor. Miss Pierce, I want to stay at execution for Joseph Hakim. Joseph Hakim? Yes, hurry. Tell the Warden. Oh, don't worry, Governor. We'll stop it. It will be stopped. Yes. And tomorrow the prison breaks. 
and your husband will be a free man. You'll never get away with this. You think your friends may trace that call, Governor? Perhaps. But when they reach here, we will be gone. But he, my husband's free. Now what about me? You promised I'd go free if I made the call. Guards the Governor Ahmed. He annoys me. Yes, You trust us, devil. Oh. He is gagged, madman. Jurgur Khan is not a fool, Governor. You would make too good a witness. I cannot let you leave to excuse me. Ahmed. Yes, master. Silence the governor. Forever. With your knife. Yes, master. You fool. Uh, you dropped the knife. No, master. Someone gripped my arm. There is no one here. <laughs> there is, princess. I am here. The shadow. Master, there is only the voice. Who are you that speaks and is not seen? One whose power is greater than yours, Durga Khan. The shadow. Durga Khan is unseen one. He cannot stop us now, brother. Ahmed, get the car ready. Yes, master. You are wrong, Durga Khan. I can stop you. No, Shadow. Can your cloak of invisibility stop a bullet? The gun is useless, Durga Khan. No marksman can hit what he cannot see. Ah, but I can see the governor, Shadow. He is still my hostage. We are leaving here. And if the Shadow attempts to stop us, the governor dies. You cannot escape the Shadow, Durga Khan. No? Here, Zaza, take this gun. If I give the word, shoot the governor. Yes, Durga Khan. A life for a life, Shadow. We live in peace or bonds and weapon die. Now, you must bargain with me, Shadow. Great is Durga Khan. He talks while his brother dies. His brother dies? My brother lives. I saved Prince him. Zada, this man with his dreams of power has deceived you. He has not saved Joseph Hakim. You must be mad. Even now, Princess, your husband is dead. <clears throat> while talk, Shadow, and follow. Truth, Durga Khan. You cannot stop the course of justice by the power of your will. Hakim is dead. Your kidnapping was in vain. He lies, Zadar. Shoot the governor. Princess, wait. Zadar, obey my order. Listen, Princess. You wish to know the truth about your husband? Yes, oh boy. Oh, Zadar. Listen. Turn on the radio here. It's time for news. Listen and learn if Joseph Hakim was saved tonight or not. And that is the weather report for tonight. Listen, Princess. And now we bring you a news flash which just arrived in the studio. Exactly two minutes ago, Joseph Hakim was executed at state prison for murder. Hakim walked to the death chamber unaided and he... There must be some mistake. You have so many promises. You, the false brother. The mistake was in my trusting you. That was the mistake, Princess Zada. Zada, put that gun down. Zada, Durga Khan, speak. Durga Khan, speak for the last time. Put down that gun, Princess. No, no, Hakim, my husband is dead. What is there left for me but death? Shot herself. Master, we have caught another woman. Oh, again. Release the girl, Ahmed. Where is the voice? What is it? It is the voice of the shadow men of Durga Khan. Your chief, Durga Khan, is dead. Your princess, Zada, is dead. Release the prisoners and go. Master. Ahmed. Master. The blood of Durga Khan is no more. The police are coming, Ahmed. Yes, Shadow. Yes. So, the great Durga Khan is dead. Yes, Margot. He forgot that laws were for all men. Not only for the poor and the weak. Durga Khan had great talent. Power. But he used it for evil. And it cost him his life. <laughs> You have been listening to a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories 
which appear in the Shadow Magazine. and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Stay tuned for Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Our Miss Brooks. Our Miss Brooks was a hit on radio from the very outset. Within eight months of its launch as a regular series, the show landed several honors, including four for Eve Arden, who won polls in four individual publications at the time. Arden had actually been the third choice to play the role. Harry Ackerman, at the time CBS's West Coast Director of Programming, wanted Shirley Booth for the part. But as he told historian Gerald Nachman many years later, he realized that Booth was too focused on the underpaid downside of public school teaching at the time to have any fun with the role. Lucille Ball was believed to have been the next choice, but she was committed to My Favorite Husband and didn't audition. Then CBS chairman Bill Paley, who was friendly with Arden, persuaded her to audition for the part. And with a slightly rewritten audition script, Osgood Conklin, for example, was originally written in as the school board president, now written in as the incoming new Madison principal, Arden agreed to give the newly revamped show a try. Produced by Larry Burns and written by director Al Lewis, Our Miss Brooks premiered on CBS July 19th of 1948. And according to radio critic John Crosby, her lines were very feline in dialogue scenes with Principal Conklin and would-be boyfriend Boynton, coming up with very sharp and witty comebacks. The interplay between the cast, blustery Conklin, nebbishly Denton, accommodating Harriet, absent-minded Mrs. Davis, clueless Boynton, and scheming Miss Enright, they all received positive reviews. 
In fact, Jeff Chandler played Boynton and stayed with the role for five years, even after becoming a movie star. He ultimately resigned because it was just too exhausting to juggle a regular, regular uh, radio role with his film commitments. Others in the cast included Anne Whitfield as Conklin's daughter, Harriet. Arden won a radio listener's poll by Radio Mirror magazine as the top-ranking comedian of 1948-49. And in receiving her award at the end of our Miss Brooks broadcast that March, she said, quote, I'm certainly going to try in the coming months to merit the honor you've bestowed upon me because I understand that if I win this two years in a row, I get to keep Mr. Boynton. <laughs> but she was also a hit with the critics. A winter 1949 poll of newspaper and magazine radio editors taken by Motion Picture Daily named her the year's best radio comedian. So let's go back to 1948 and hear the episode of our Miss Brooks entitled Crystal Lake. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. August 12th marked the end of summer school duties for the nation's teachers. Among them, our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School. Yes, August is the month when school teachers heed the siren call of travel and see such wonders as the Taj Mahal, the Eiffel Tower, and the Colosseum at Rome. Then they finish their popcorn and leave the newsreel theater. <laughs> Last Friday morning, I left my bedroom and made the long trek to the dinette, where my landlady, Mrs. Davis, greeted me with some breakfast. I hope you enjoy your orange juice better than I did mine, Connie. What was the matter with yours, Mrs. Davis? It was too hard. Guess I didn't take it out of the freezer in time. <laughs> oh... I have a brand new deep freeze, you know. It was a gift. You too? <laughs> My brother Victor sent it over. He's such a dear. But Connie, why did you have to get up so early today? Summer school's all over with, isn't it? Yes, but I've got an appointment at the hairdresser's. Mm. An appointment at the hairdresser's usually signifies a date with a certain biology teacher. Are you having lunch with Mr. Boynton, Connie? You should be a fortune teller, Mrs. Davis. Oh, that's funny. I just got in a brand new supply of tea leaves. Now you wait right here and I'll brew some. Oh, uh, not now, Mrs. Davis. Walter Denton's due any minute to give me a lift. Oh, is your car in the shop again? Yes, I dented my radiator pretty badly the other day. I got a ticket, too, for passing a car on the left. But that's not illegal, passing a car on the left. It is when the car's approaching you. <laughs> I appreciate this hitch, Walter. And it's a beautiful day for a ride. Yeah, it sure is, Miss Brooks. Uh, notice anything different about the car? The car? Why, yes, the top is down. But, Walter, this wasn't a convertible. It was a club coupe with a hard top. Sure. What did you do? Take the top off? I didn't have to. It fell off. <laughs> twelve of us went for a ride the other night. And that's when it happened. Twelve? Walter, you shouldn't put twelve people in one car. Oh, they weren't all in the car. Six of them were on top. <laughs> that's why I caved in, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I hope no one was hurt. No. No, fortunately, there were all girls inside. And they're pretty soft. <laughs> Harriet Conklin got a little annoyed, though. She likes the car better with the top on. 
Oh, say, that reminds me. I promised to give Harriet a lift downtown also, Miss Brooks. Her dad left the house early this morning, and he's got their car. Uh, do you mind if we pick her up on the way? Not at all, Walter, but please make it snappy. Okay. Uh, she lives right down this block. Is that snappy enough for you? <laughs> Great. We can pick up my head on the way back. <laughs> oh, there's Harriet on the porch uh, with her mother. You don't have to come to the door, Walter. I'll be right there. Okay, Harriet. Who's that in the car with you, Walter? Miss Brooks. Who? Miss Brooks! <laughs> That's what we teachers need, publicity. <laughs> Miss Brooks, I'd like to talk to you about something. All right, Mrs. Conklin. Hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Harriet. I'd like to talk to Miss Brooks alone for a minute, Harriet. Okay, Mother. I'll wait for you in the car, Miss Brooks. Well, my dear, I haven't seen you in ever so long. It has been quite a while, Mrs. Conklin, but I've been working pretty hard at school. Yes, I know. So has Mr. Conklin. He's down there now filing some reports on the summer session. That's what I wanted to talk to you about, Miss Brooks. I think a little vacation would do you a lot of good. Yes, I suppose it would. But... As you know, Mr. Conklin and I have a little summer cottage at Crystal Lake. Now, tomorrow, Saturday, is our anniversary, and I'd like to spend it up at the lake. Why don't you join us and help us celebrate? Well, I really don't know, Mrs. Conklin. You see, in a moment of weakness, I promised Mr. Boynton the entire weekend. Well, when did you do that, Miss Brooks? At lunch in about an hour from now. <laughs> I'm sure he'll accept. Uh, invite me. <laughs> so much the better. Bring Mr. Boynton along. You know, seeing how happy our married life is might give Mr. Boynton some ideas on the subject. Why, Mrs. Conklin, I don't know what you're driving at. <laughs> I've seen you look at Mr. Boynton, Miss Brooks. And when one woman sees another woman look at a man the way you look at Mr. Boynton, Miss Brooks, that knows that the other woman is thinking thoughts about that man that a woman has thought about a man since men and women were created. From the picture, little man, you've had a busy woman. <laughs> well, look, Mrs. Conklin, I am fond of Mr. Boynton, but I don't want people to think that oh, I... Oh, well, they will anyway, chasing. so you might as well land him. <laughs> I tell you what. You and Mr. Boynton come up to Crystal Lake tomorrow and you can be our house guest over the weekend. We'll surprise Mr. Conklin. Maybe Mr. Conklin doesn't want to be surprised. <laughs> you leave Osgood to me, Miss Brooks. He'll be delighted to see you when I get through with him. I'm... <laughs> you know, I think Crystal Lake will be extremely conducive to romance. Mrs. Conklin, you just sold me. When I have lunch with Mr. Boynton today, I'll extend to him your very kind invitation to spend the weekend in your trap at Crystal Lake, a cottage. <laughs> Fine, but remember, Miss Brooks, don't breathe a word of this to Mr. Conklin. Don't worry about that. When Mr. Conklin's around, I hardly breathe at all. <laughs> I, uh, I hope you like the idea of lunching in Marty's malt shop, Miss Brooks. We haven't had lunch here since summer school ended. Oh, I love to eat right across the street from school, Mr. Boynton. Of course, I feel a little like a criminal returning to the scene of the crime, but the food's quite good today. Yes, this chili is delicious. Do you always eat chili that way, with mustard and pepper and horseradish? <laughs> yes, sir. I'm afraid I have a cast-iron stomach, Miss Brooks. Really? Who helped you carry it to school? <laughs> well, uh, I've always liked hot dishes, Miss Brooks. I think spicy things enhance a meal tremendously. That goes for life, too, doesn't it, Mr. Boynton? <laughs> what do you mean, Miss Brooks? Mr. Boynton, instead of our usual Saturday date, 
How would you like to get out of town for the weekend? What? Leave you all alone? I should say not. <laughs> you wouldn't leave me. I'd be with you. <laughs> oh, what a shame. You've got chili all over your tie. <laughs> I'm wearing a sports shirt. I haven't got a tie. You have now. <laughs> to shock you, Mr. Boynton, but Mrs. Conklin's invited us up to their summer cottage at Crystal Lake, because tomorrow's their anniversary, and she wants us to help surprise Mr. Conklin. But why you and I, Miss Brooks? Because Mrs. Conklin's noticed how hard I've worked during the summer session, and she thought it would be fun for me. Of course, if you don't want to go, I'll tell her I can't go either. That's all right. I don't have to get any rest or relaxation <laughs> cool mountains. I can have just as good a time right here just staring into a mirror and watching the melted powder run down my nose. Please, Miss Brooks, I wouldn't want to deprive you of any fun, but... Good. What time will you pick me up tomorrow? Well, all right. I'll call for you at 10 o'clock. Oh, fine. Then we can... Oh, excuse me a moment, Mr. Boynton. Mr. Conklin just sat down at that table by the window. I'd like to talk to him. I thought we were going to surprise him. Oh, I'm not going to mention our coming to Crystal Lake. I just want to sound him out about my chances of heading the English department in the coming semester. The job's open, you know. Yes, I know. Well, I wish you luck, Miss Brooks. Thanks, Mr. Boynton. I'll be back in a minute. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Conklin. I'll have the businessman's lunch, miss, but I'll do without the soup and I can do without the potatoes. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, I'm not your waitress. It's me, Miss Brooks. I can do without you, too. <laughs> I don't want to disturb you during your lunch, Mr. Conklin, but... Good. Then I'll see you later. <laughs> I just have one brief question to ask, Mr. Conklin. May I sit down for a moment? I suppose so. Have you had your lunch? Yes, sir, with Mr. Boynton over there. Over where? Oh, over there, yes. Quite an attractive tie he has on. Miss <laughs> Brooks... Uh, you and Mr. Boynton see a good deal of each other, don't you? Well, now that summer school's over, you we do... You spend quite a bit see... of time together both in and out of school. People are beginning to talk. What people, Mr. Conklin? Well, members of the school board. You're still being considered as the possible new head of the English department. Oh, that's course, just what I wanted uh, don't to... Don't interrupt, Mr. <laughs> Naturally, my recommendation will carry a lot of weight with the board. But you know how I feel about fraternization among the faculty at Madison, Miss Brooks. And I... Well, it would be different if you were married or even engaged to Mr. Boynton. Then I wouldn't mind so much. Thanks, heaps. <laughs> I mean, how can one ever get engaged if one doesn't fraternize with one? Or more than one, if necessary, to find... <laughs> that is your problem, Miss Brooks. Uh, my anniversary is tomorrow, and I'm going to surprise Mrs. Conklin with a little trip to Crystal Lake. We have a cottage there, you know. Yes, I know. Now, if I could feel that your conduct over the weekend was above reproach, well, I'd enjoy my vacation that much more. Believe me, Mr. Conklin, you won't be hearing a thing about Mr. Boynton and myself. Good. Tell me, Miss Brooks, there's really nothing to your association, is there? Well, Mr. Conklin, I think I can tell you the truth. Yes, Miss Brooks? My association with Mr. Boynton is the biggest nothing you ever saw. <laughs> Saturday morning found the Conklins on the porch of their cottage at Crystal Lake. 
Let's look in on them as Mr. Conklin sways gently to and fro in the porch hammock. Ah, this is the life, Martha. I'm certainly glad we surprised each other with this little trip. I knew you'd enjoy yourself here, Osgood. Uh, it'll be wonderful to get away from the school for a few days. Not that I don't enjoy working with my teachers. They're a grand group of people. Cooperative, capable. But it'll be such a relief not to have to look at their long faces for a while. <laughs> now, dear, you just drop off to sleep, and I'll wake you up in about an hour. Uh, fine, fine. <sighs> Get your bag out of the trunk. Don't forget the little bag and bag. Mm-hmm. There we are. I guess it's right up these porch steps, huh? Yoo-hoo! Anybody home? Yeah? What is it? Who in the world are you... Miss Brooks. <laughs> Mr. Boynton. What are you doing here? That's what I like about Crystal Lake, the hospitality. <laughs> oh, it's you, Miss Brooks, and Mr. Boynton. I'm so glad you could come. Martha, did you have... Of course, dear. I asked Miss Brooks and Mr. Boynton to spend the weekend with us. That's one surprise I didn't tell you. Aren't you, Dickle? Yes. Uh, Act like you're tickled, Osgood, dear. You certainly don't look tickled. Some people tickle easier than others. Maybe Mr. Conklin would rather be alone. Oh, nonsense, Mr. Boynton. Osgood and I see as much of each other alone as we want to. We're already married, you know. (laughs) Yes, I know. Congratulations on your anniversary. Oh, thank you, Mr. Boynton. I always say married life is give and take. Me too. (laughs) If you'd given me a little warning, I wouldn't have let you take me here. (laughs) Quiet, dear. Now you two must be all hot and sticky from your drive up here. I hope you both have a bathing suit. For Mr. Conklin's sake, I hope we each have a bathing suit. (laughs) Well, I'll just show you where to change. Just follow me, and we'll all get ready for a nice dip. I don't want to go for a dip. (laughs) Now, dear, we must do the things our guests want to do. Why? (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, I'm afraid I don't have a suit with me. I forgot to pack it. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Boynton. I'll fix you up with one of Osgood's. Come along. You can nap a few more minutes, Osgood. I'll take the folks in tow. Yes, yes, do that. <laughs> Sounds like he'd like you to tow us about three miles and then sink us. <laughs> now, you go right in here, Mr. Boynton. You'll find a bathing suit in the bottom drawer of that dress. Oh, thanks, Mrs. Conklin. Now, here's the guest room. You and my daughter, Harriet, are going to share it for the weekend. Now, before I leave you, dear, I want you to know that I planned this weekend for your sake more than anybody's. When Mr. Boynton sees how happy we are, I'm sure he'll start thinking of marriage as the jolly institution it is. Well, what do you say? Are you game? Looks like Mr. Boynton's the game, but it's worth a try. (laughs) You know, I really do like the guy, Mrs. Conklin. I know you do, my dear. Now, one more thing. In addition to our example, I think you should show your domesticity as well. So tonight, I want you to cook the dinner. Me? Definitely. What dish do you prepare best? Soup. (laughs) Uh, What what kind? Campbell's. (laughs) I, I think if you'd cook something yourself, it would make a much better impression on Mr. Boynton. 
I know. You can barbecue some spare ribs for dinner. Now, get into your suit and I'll see you on the porch. <laughs> Isn't this fun? I, I just feel like it's a, a regular fox hunt. Daddy-ho! <laughs> Daddy-ho to you, Mrs. Conklin. And I hope we don't all make a bunch of yoikes out of ourselves. <laughs> Stop rocking the hammock, Martha. I'm getting seasick. <laughs> now remember, Osgood, we've got to make a good impression for Miss Brooks' sake. I don't like it, Martha. I never did believe in this matchmaking business. Besides, I thought we'd be here alone, at least part of the time. Confounded, all this mountain air going to waste. <laughs> <laughs> it won't go to waste, dear. There's always tonight. Yes. <laughs> Come here, baby. <laughs> Remember what I used to call you when we were first married? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> call me it again, Martha. All right. <laughs> sugar cookie. Am I really your sugar cookie still? Well, your icing's a little whiter. <laughs> Still a sugar cookie to Mrs. Conklin, I'm sure. Miss Brooks, where did you... Hello, Miss Brooks. My, what a lovely one-piece bathing suit. Hello there. Everybody all ready? Oh, it's Mr. Fox. Uh, Mr. Boyd. <laughs> well, Mr. Conklin's suit fits you perfectly, Mr. Boynton. Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? Yes, it's very nice. But aren't the sleeves a little wide at the wrist? <laughs> That is one of my older ones, I believe. That's quite a suit you have on, Miss Brooks. She made it herself, didn't you, dear? Yes, out of an old stocking and some pen wipers. <laughs> it's certainly revealing. I, I never knew you had a beauty mark there, Miss Brooks. Where? Right below your elbow there. Mr. Boynton, you're staring. Isn't he a naughty Dickens? He's about as naughty as Charles Dickens. <laughs> Let's go down to the lake, shall we, Mr. Boynton? Come on, Mr. Boynton. I'll race you to the raft. You're on. Let's go. Here we are. I'll help you up, Miss Brooks. Oh, thank you, Mr. Boynton. Oh. <laughs> Welcome aboard, folks. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. We didn't know you were That's out here. All right, my dear. Uh, let's let's go take a, a boat ride, Miss Brooks. Nonsense! Why should you leave the raft? Why shouldn't they? <laughs> Mr. Boynton. Yes. Last one in is a sugar cookie. like driving a motorboat, Miss Brooks. Oh, it's a lot of fun, Mr. Boynton, but I'm glad nobody's fishing on this lake. This outboard motor's kind of noisy. Oh, I don't think it's so bad. Not so bad. If I was a fish and I heard this thing over my head, I'd go hide in a tree. Uh, I think you'd better turn around now. We're pretty far from the pier. All right. Say, that's funny. This steering wheel seems to be stuck. Oh, here, let me give you a hand. <laughs> 
Isn't that a rowboat in that little cove we're heading for? A rowboat? Yes, it is. I'd better cut the motor off. We're heading right for them. Oh. Yep. The ignition lever is stuck, too. Oh, you've got to do something, Mr. Boynton. We're getting pretty close to that rowboat. Look out! Get out of the way! Quick, Miss Brooks, lie on the bottom of the boat. I can't stop it. What happened? Did we hit them? No, thank heaven. We, we just missed them. It, it's all right now. I've got everything under control. Oh, well, the least we can do is go back and apologize for scaring them like this. Oh, you're right, Miss Brooks. Here, I'll turn around. We're terribly sorry, folks. Oh, that's all right, Miss Brooks. <laughs> We didn't really want to catch any fish here. Mr. Conklin. Don't worry about the fish, Mr. Conklin. I'm going to barbecue us all some dinner. Are you really, Miss Brooks? What are you going to barbecue? Me. I love eating out in the open air. I'm sure the spare ribs Miss Brooks barbecues will be delicious. Don't you think so, Osgood? I think I should have made them my barbecue. <laughs> but Mr. Boynton will enjoy them so much more because Miss Brooks did it. Won't you, Mr. Boynton? Well, yes, Harriet, I suppose Here I... they are, folks. I hope they turned out all right. Oh, I'll bet they're delicious. Might as well taste it. <laughs> what is this, anyway? No good. Tastes like charcoal. Did you do what I told you, dear? Barbecue the ribs slowly with a nice, smooth, glowing bed of coals? Certainly, I had a lovely bed of glowing coals right over the ribs. <laughs> I don't think I'm very hungry. This mountain air sure fills you up. Maybe you ought to stop breathing a while. You don't want to make a pig of yourself. I'm going into the house and cook myself an egg. Oh, wait, dear. I'll fix you something. You can't cook any better than she can. Daddy, well, this is your anniversary dinner. Yes, dear. Let's be cheerful. Oh, how we danced on the night we were waiting. Anniversary, my foot. I'm going inside. And we danced, but she wouldn't drop dead. <laughs> there, dear. Wasn't that a nice snack? And just the two of us alone in the kitchen. Well, it was better than those barbecued rocks. <laughs> Martha, if that poor Mr. Boynton falls for Miss Brooks, now, I think... Now, dear, we agreed to forget all about it. Let's go out and sit in the hammock together. The mountain air is still with us, you know. And it's quite dark on the porch. All right, Mother. What's it? What's it? Who's that in the hammer? It's us, Daddy. Us? Harriet and me, Mr. Conklin. Happy anniversary! <laughs> it's Walter Denton, Daddy. He got here while you were inside. I invited him yesterday to surprise you. This is the last straw. Now, calm down, Osgood. Remember your blood pressure. It gives him kind of a purpley look, doesn't it? <laughs> You've got to be calm. Let's go for a little stroll, Martha. Maybe we'll run into Mr. Boynton and Miss Brooks somewhere. I doubt it, Mr. Conklin. We're at the other end of the hammock. Oh! <laughs> I'll be all right. I'll be fine. Come, Mother. Let's go into our bedroom and go to sleep. 
Maybe when I wake up in the morning, this will all be a bad... Oh, we can't go into our bedroom together, Osgood. Now that Walter's here, Harriet and Miss Brooks and I will have to share our room. And you and Walter and Mr. Boynton will have to sleep in the guest room. What? <laughs> now this has gone far enough. I'm going to tell you people something. Uh, before you do, Mr. Conklin, I'd like to ask you a question. What is it? How are my chances of being appointed head of the English department? <laughs> you don't have to answer now. You can think it over and tell me right after I've blown my brains out. <laughs> Conklin finally got Mr. Conklin back to a fairly neutral shade of purple. And acting on her suggestion, I steered Mr. Boynton down to the pier for a little moonlight fishing. Oh, it's wonderful fishing at night, isn't it, Mr. Boynton? Look at that moon. Yes, some fish bite much more frequently when the moon's out. Let's see, the last time I went fishing at night, I was alone. Except for McDougal, of course, my pet frog. Oh, we've had some great times together. Yes, I know you have, but now it's my turn. That is, if you don't mind, Mr. Boynton. Mind? Come here, baby. Why, Mr. Boynton. Look at the size of this baby I just landed. This trout must be about four pounds. Oh, gosh, Miss Brooks, this is my third fish. You haven't caught a thing tonight, have you? You ain't just beating your gills, Frog Boy. Next week, tune into another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Carmel and Soap, your beauty hope, and Lustre Queen Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, and Vivi Janice. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. Be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Quiet, Please, followed by My Friend Irma. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.